A warning. This episode includes violence, graphic details, and conversations about serious mental illness. And this is a bonus episode. If you haven't listened to Locked Inside before, we recommend you start with episode one. To people in the public who, you know, may have never heard of the PSRB, Mm -hmm. what do you want them to know about your family's situation? I want them to know that, you know, they could be in this position and they could have to fight this this organization that doesn't really have rules and just does what they want. This is Janine Rodriguez, and I knew part of her story before she ever sat down with me for an interview. My colleague William Pitts featured her in a 12 News I-Team special report last year called Something's Broken. The something is referring to Arizona's guilty except insane system, which includes the state's Psychiatric Security Review Board, or PSRB. As a refresher, the PSRB is the state board that ultimately approved Christopher Lambeth to go live in the community more than a decade before his sentence at the state hospital was up. I've brought the board up a few times before in this series, and at this point, something is still broken. This board is supposed to hold monthly meetings for check-ins with the people under its watch deemed guilty except insane. But that hasn't been happening for months, and the board can't make any decisions right now because too many people quit. Why is everybody jumping ship? I gotta say I'm disappointed, but I'm not at all surprised. This is Locked Inside, Episode 8, Solutions, a bonus episode. And this time, we dig into all the questions we still have about Tilda Manor and the state's mental health care system. And that's just a lack of accountability and something that should not happen in state government. And bring these concerns straight to state lawmakers. It's an issue that truly needed the Band-Aid ripped off. I'm Erica Stapleton, and to start, I'm sharing Janine's story and how she's had to face the board over and over again, even though she's never committed a crime. I don't think that I'm ready to run into the guy that just walked up to my brother and shot him. When Janine first saw our reporting on the group home murder case, it struck a very sensitive nerve. I feel very sad for Christopher Lambeth and his family. They shouldn't have to go through this again. He should have been more protected. Who was there protecting him? We know his mental health is already fractured. How are you going to just put him in a facility that doesn't have, that can't notice the signs of him starting to break down? Um, I feel sorry for Mr. Howell's family because how horrible, right? Nothing, he didn't do anything wrong. He just had mental illness and and needed to live in a group home. And now he's gone because uh, a system failed Christopher Lambeth. Not only is it sad for Janine, this is personal. A tragedy like that is one of her worst fears. A fear that's been on her mind since she first had to face the PSRB about a decade ago. Her story starts all the way back on December 26th, 2010. On the 26th, we had done our Christmas. And then it was, you know, looking back, one of the best days, right? Because we did have, we were throwing football, watching football, playing board games, eating, and then my brother went to work. After the celebrations, her brother, Adam Cooley, went to work his shift as a bouncer at a strip club in Phoenix. 
Court records show Adam was one of two security guards working that night. Adam was covering the front door, while the other bouncer was reportedly behind the bar. And just before midnight, a man who had been in the club went out to the parking lot, grabbed a handgun from his truck, beelined back toward the club's front door, and started pulling the trigger. Good evening. Tonight's big story, a double murder inside a Phoenix strip club. The shooter hit four people that night, killing two of them, including Adam Cooley. The chaos happened inside the club near Grand Avenue in Encanto. Lisette Martinez is live at the 4th Avenue jail where the accused trigger man was taken. Phoenix police discovered the shooter was a man named Gavin McFarlane. He was booked on two counts of first-degree murder, among other charges. Prosecutors filed to seek the death penalty until McFarland's lawyers brought something else to the table. In January 2013, Gavin McFarland's defense team filed for a guilty except insane plea, arguing he had a clearly documented history of mental illness, dating back at least eight years before the shooting. His last hospital visit, according to the records, was just three days before the deadly shooting. The guilty except insane plea came as a shock to Janine's family. You, you have to look at that path um, because Arizona has allowed it, right? We've allowed this GEI option. Instead of going to trial and facing the death penalty, McFarlane was sentenced 25 to life to the Arizona State Hospital for treatment and put under the watch of the PSRB. But as we learned in Christopher Lambeth's case, okay, life on. doesn't always mean life. Okay, the next person to come before the board is um, Gavin Trent McFarland. Um, About seven years into his sentence at the state hospital, Gavin McFarland and his team went before the PSRB to ask for privileges to go off hospital grounds. He wasn't asking for a full release to the community. He was asking for passes so he could go on trips supervised by hospital staff. Here's Gavin McFarlane himself, speaking to the board in September 2020. Not a single day goes by that I don't think about the horrific events that I was responsible for at the time of my crimes. Quite simply, these events happened because I was in denial about my mental illness and refused to keep up with my recommended therapy and medicine routine. In addition, I was also leading a reckless lifestyle. I've spent the, the past 10 years working on things that I need in order to ensure that I've got the necessary tools to live a healthy and balanced life. I know, I know where that mindset will lead me. I now wake up every day asking myself, what do I need to do today in order to educate myself and grow in the right direction? I've grown significantly while housed here at Ash through individual one-on-one -on -one therapy as well as group therapy. I've consistently challenged myself to be a leader among my peers. Regardless of the outcome here today, I will still know what I need to do in order to continue working on being the best person I can be. Thank you. Janine and her family have sat or listened in to every hearing, even pleading with the board to not grant Gavin McFarlane any kind of release. Here she is during that 2020 hearing. As a victim and member of the public, this is concerning. This fast track to release should be concerning to everyone. December 26, 2010 was the last day I saw my brother. It was also the day that Gavin McFarland left his house with a gun and bullets so he could kill. He did just that. He killed two people and severely injured another. So many lives changed that day. So many people are forever impacted by his actions. I lose my ability to breathe when I think of the possibility of running into my brother's murderer on the streets. 
The board denied his request to go into the community during this hearing and in another hearing in 2021, after Christopher Lambeth was arrested for allegedly killing again. Our biggest fear, Gavin getting out and then killing more people, this happened because this gentleman killed two people, he got out, and he killed another person. Um, I think it gives us a little bit more, like, strength in our voice to say we're not just saying it might happen. We're able to say it has happened. Lambeth accused of killing again under the board's watch isn't the only issue the board's been facing. Thanks. Now from the 12 News I team, the state board responsible for overseeing Arizona's criminally insane population has not been able to do its job for months. Starting in January 2023, a new law mandates that courts in Arizona will be handling all of the PSRB's duties and the board will effectively be dissolved. In the meantime, The board was supposed to be operating under stricter guidelines through 2022, but that didn't happen. And tonight, the I-Team's Erica Stapleton explains why the board will probably never meet again. Right now, there's only one board member listed, and the governor's office never appointed anyone else to serve on the board. That means all the people deemed guilty except insane who are due for check-ins have been waiting in limbo for nearly a year. The PSRB never provided a comment on the Lambeth case or the switch to courts. I've tried to get in touch with members who resigned, but so far, no luck. Why is everybody jumping ship? You know, are they jumping ship because they know this is kind of sunsetting in 2023 and they don't want to have to work with a judge because maybe they haven't been doing a great job? Are they just jumping ship because... They don't want the job anymore. Something's not right. We've asked Governor Doug Ducey's office about this several times. Initially, a spokesperson told us they were trying to fill the spots. But as the months passed, they stopped responding, and the spots remained vacant. Then, in September, a notice was posted online, saying the board will likely not be scheduling any more meetings through the rest of the year. I gotta say, I'm disappointed, but I'm not at all surprised. This is Will Humble the former director of Arizona's Department of Health Services, the state agency that oversees a lot when it comes to mental health care, including the state hospital and licensing for group homes. Look, they have a statutory responsibility to make sure that when people are in community placement, that there's somebody looking into how things are going, looking at the treatment plan, looking at... um, Is it still a safe placement for the community and for the patient? The latest data shows there are 14 people deemed guilty except insane living in the community right now, and that there are 100 others living in the state hospital. A spokesperson for the health department told us those people at the state hospital continue to receive treatment, and those in the community should be monitored by their outpatient teams. But Will has his doubts. There's a real issue related to oversight of people adjudicated guilty, except insane, who are placed into the community, who are not getting the kind of oversight that the community expects and as and that and that we are obligated to provide um, under the law for patients. Will left the health department in March 2015, but still keeps an ear to the ground. We've talked with Will a lot in our reporting process, picking his brain on everything from guilty, except insane cases to group home licensing. You asked if the state law needs to change. I would argue that, that, number one, the resources at the state health department need to change so that they can actually follow up on the complaint investigations that come in. Here he is again, speaking at a panel discussion 
the 12 News I team hosted at Arizona State University's Cronkite School of Journalism in September. This particular response is about the state licensing and inspecting group homes and how the state's licensing director told us last year that it was up to the facility to make sure rules are followed. For you to ask him and ask him who's responsible and for him to say it's the facility alone ultimately, I mean, that's just a lack of accountability and something that should not happen in state government. Before this discussion, we presented all of our reporting for Locked Inside in a documentary and even invited lawmakers to come watch. It's an issue that truly needed the Band-Aid ripped off and continues to. So I applaud your digging and digging and, and trying to get those answers. This is State Senator Nancy Bardo speaking at our event. A lot of us in the state legislature have been trying to keep uh, these agencies accountable because we keep hearing the stories. And admitting that there's a problem is the first step to solving it. Over the years, she's been involved in a lot of legislation regarding mental health care, even sponsoring the bill that ultimately does away with the PSRB. I think we are under-resourced, but I also think it's not that much more we need to spend. We just need to change the way we're, we're doing things and truly care for the mentally ill. She also pointed to a law passed in 2019 that allowed for more secure group homes. But so far, the state says none of these higher security homes are licensed to operate. And even if there were, can the state handle overseeing more facilities? So much about the operations at Tilda Manor still remains a mystery. We've been asking for their side in all of this for more than a year. I even got to a point where the attorneys representing the company in the licensing case agreed to do an interview with me, but they never got Tilda Manor's blessing and it never came to fruition. I did get some comments from those two attorneys on the phone the day we learned Tilda Manor officially lost its license at Wild Horse Drive in June, 2022. In our conversation, they told me that Tilda Manor was running out of funds and couldn't keep fighting with the state. They admitted that things at Tilda Manor were not done perfectly, but also called the murder, quote, unpredictable. They told me they believed this was a, quote, witch hunt for Tilda Manor, and that a lot of group homes have violations and errors and mistakes, but the state doesn't go after them in the same way. To be fair, I looked at all available records for all the other behavioral health group homes in the town of Gilbert where Tilda Manor was. Of the 27 facilities I reviewed, some had clean records. Others had some smaller violations like not having a thermometer in the fridge. But some did have more severe violations, like employees not having proper medical or training records, or a resident misusing medications that weren't locked up. There's no pattern that I could see as to why some homes are scrutinized and penalized more than others if similar offenses occur. That all being said, the murder at Tilda Manor was a clear failure, one that shouldn't be repeated if these systems are working properly to keep people safe. It's been hard. It's been really hard. For Janine, pain persists as long as her family has to keep facing her brother's killer. It's been hard my, with nieces and nephews having children and telling them who Adam is and stuff, and, you know, because they never got a chance to meet him. So that's rough, rough. What keeps you going? Oh, well, my brother, right? So my brother, I, I, I wouldn't 
ever stop fighting for justice for him. And this isn't justice yet. So far, we haven't had justice. Um, making us come at least every two years to see this guy, to talk about potential release, that's not justice. What would justice look like for you? In prison. He just needs to be in prison. He killed two strangers that he didn't know that had done nothing to him. And he just walked up and started shooting. And so I, I believe he belongs in prison. There's no way to tell me he's not dangerous. We did reach out to Gavin McFarland through his attorney, but never got a statement for the podcast. And to be clear, this podcast series is not about inciting fear or marginalizing those diagnosed with severe mental illnesses. Our goal in all of this is to highlight where the system of care in Arizona missed the mark and how there can be consequences. And as we've reported over and over, things can go very wrong. Janine is hopeful the move to courts next year will have more structure, but she's also skeptical. How can you assure that somebody's going to take their medicine? And then in five years, how can you assure that medicine's going to still be working? Time will tell. And in the meantime, the system and all the people it impacts wait in limbo. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Locked Inside. Stay tuned for updates on 12 News in Phoenix as the criminal case against Christopher Lambeth and the civil case against the state health department and Tilda Manor play out in court. Locked Inside is written and edited by me, Erica Stapleton. Executive producer is Katie Wilcox. Fact-checking is done by 12 News intern Raven Payne. 12 News reporter William Pitts contributed to this story. Audio mixing is done by Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland. Locked Inside is produced by the 12 News I-Team and Vault Studios. A special thank you to Will Johnson and Reed Redmond at Vault Studios. If this story resonates with you or you want to share your experience, you can send us an email at connect at 12news.com. Thanks again for listening to Locked Inside.